We're going to go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 14. We're going to go back to the firmaments in the heaven. It says, And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons, for days and years. I want to welcome all that are joining today here at the, ser- uh, at the mission, at Sermon Audio Ministry, and at the radio ministry. We're going to be pre- we've been preaching out of creation. Genesis chapter 1 is showing how creation glorifies God's great work of salvation. And so, I preached last week on this, and I got on to uh, the blood moons that happen on Jewish feast days. Those are, uh, those are called tetrods. I got to notice through the week the words uh, there at the end of verse 14 of Genesis 1, and for seasons. And I wanted to deal with that uh, today. Now, the word seasons can be used different ways. It can be used in a literal way, uh, just like in Genesis 8, verse 22, where we have the four actual seasons in some parts of the world. When we lived in Florida, we had maybe one and a half seasons. We had summer and a little bit of fall weather, and that was it. Uh, because it, after February, it starts getting warm again down there in Florida. But in other parts of the country, you have your four seasons, and the Bible speaks of that in Genesis 8, verse 22. It says, While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, and the summer and the winter, and day and night shall not cease. So it's nice having the four seasons. Uh, I enjoyed living down Florida. Uh, man, it gets hot down there. Whew, it gets real hot. Uh, but I enjoyed it. Generally, wherever God leads me is my home. And I enjoy it down there. Took me a while to get used to the flatland. I wasn't used to driving 50 miles before I got to a curve. In West Virginia, you can't go over 50 feet without a curve. But we have our four seasons. That's and these the moon. The the moon is actually your because the sun remains the same. It's the moon that goes through the different phases. There's eight different phases of the of the moon that determines the months the days the the months the weeks months time, uh, and years and so in some parts of the world as i said it's constantly cold north pole antarctica and then i mean they have they have a spring or summer season but it ain't like what we have and then you know you know alaska uh it's uh it gets stays cold a lot uh but uh in most parts of the country you have your four actual seasons now, Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1. That's where I was wanting to go to. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1. Uh, we have seasons that, uh, that can be looked at in an allegorical sense. And what I mean by that is, is by a, uh, a type. In Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1, it says, To everything there is a, a season. See there now, we're not talking about like the four seasons. We're talking about a season of time here. To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. Did you know that the lifespan of a person is a season? It's the season of that person's life here on earth. Look what verse 2 says. A time to be born and a time to die. Planting season and then harvesting season. God planted your soul. He planted my soul here. Well, I was born on August 20th, 1961. So go back to the month of December was when I was planted on this earth. And then if I'm to die before the rapture, that's when he will harvest my soul. 
on the day that he has set aside that I will um, for him to remove me from this earth. Just like there's planting season and harvest season, God plants souls and then he harvests the souls uh, off this earth. And we need to keep that in mind. We have forgotten that as a nation, and that's why there's so little uh, regard for human life. The sanctity of human life is gone because we've forgotten that God is the one who gives the life. We've, we've, we've forgotten that all life is holy. Um, I'm really getting tired of these titles. And I know what they mean by blue lives and black lives, but there's no such thing as... And I'm talking about policemen uh, wearing the blue, and I, and I understand completely what they're saying, but we shouldn't have to go to that there, because there's no such thing as blue life. There's no such thing as black life. There's no such thing as white life. There's only life. Life is colorless. And therefore, all lives, all life and all lives are holy and need to be looked upon that way. It says a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. We've already covered that. That means that there's a time that God planted your soul here upon the earth. And then there's going to be a time that he will harvest it if you are not uh, ordained by him to be taken in the rapture. Now here's another one, a time to kill. Now we have animal activists that puts animals in front of humans. But... Uh, there comes a time that, uh, especially back before modern times, that you had to kill animals. And today we still have to kill animals to have meat to eat, to have food to eat. Um, some people are vegetarian, but a lot of times vegetarians, are, uh, they, they're not as healthy as people that eat meat. I remember a professional basketball player, he uh, was a vegetarian. I won't mention his name since so many people's listening uh, all over the world now. But I can remember back when I was a teenage boy, he was always sidelined with an injury. Well, you need to put some chicken in you and, and, some, um, and some cow. You need to put some of that beef and pork in you and get those muscles built up. He was always off with feet injuries. He always had a foot injury. And I really just believe that if he had eaten some meat, he might have been able to have lasted. But that's also dealing with people. You hear these left-wing radicals say, oh, you shouldn't kill for no matter what. There is a time to kill people. If your life is threatened, it's time to kill. God has sanctioned justifiable killings. Not all killing is murder. And you can't tell some people that, but capital punishment is a justifiable killing. Only if it's been done after the facts have been proved. Jesus Christ, Calvary was the greatest example of a justifiable killing. God offered his son in Isaiah 53 verse 10 to be killed. Jesus offered himself in John 10 verse 15 through 18 to be killed. And then in Acts 2 verse 22, I believe it is through 23, man murdered Jesus Christ. Now that doesn't mean Jesus didn't give himself. Jesus used man's hatred and God will hold, those, especially those that crucified him, the religious leaders, he will hold that because as far as they were concerned, they were convinced they killed him. And in one context, they did kill him. And they're in hell today, burning. So there is a time to kill. Justifiable wars are a time to kill. 
So there are times to kill. There's a season to kill. And a time to heal. You know, we dropped the bomb on Nekasaka and Hiroshima back at uh, World War, to end World War II. Well, we had to do that because other things were going to happen if we didn't put an end to it. But you know what? After we did that, we helped Japan rebuild. We're not to constantly hate people. Once you, just, once you defeat your enemy, those that you haven't killed, you are, the Bible tells you in the book of Hebrews, to be kind to your enemies. And, and so there's a time to kill and then there's a time to heal. There's a season. That word time means a season. A season to kill and a time or season to heal. A time to break down. Now there are those in this country that feel that it's time to break down America. They're in the wrong season. That's in the season of um, communism and rebellion. That's not God's season. God built this nation. And... Uh, if we don't get back to the cross, he's going to break down. It's going to be, it may be that we're in the season of America being broken down. And if God's doing the one, if he's the one that's breaking down this country, then only he's going to be the only one who can heal it. Now we who are in this country, we are to still keep, we're to keep on keeping on. It says it's time to break down, it's time to build up. Just like I said with Japan, we tore it apart and with the dropping of the A-bomb, and then we helped it build back up. We need, as Christians, we need to get busy, and we need those that have opportunity to uh, take a role on the national level. They've got to step up, and some are, and it's time to build back up. I like what President Trump said in his rallies, uh, peaceful protest at the airports. Uh, Thursday and uh, Friday and Saturday, he said something that meant it's going. You think you think uh, replacing this judge is going to be a, 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 a firestorm? He said we're going to start teaching the old history in our schools. Boom! There's the bomb. You ain't seen a firestorm until that's being introduced to be back into the schools. There's going to be an all-out uh, war with words. It might even get violent, but I'm telling you what, that's the stronghold of the communist is our schools. And teaching true history is the biggest threat to the communist hold on our children. And I'm telling you, it's, 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 it's going to get exciting, let me tell you that. But it's time, because for the past 50 years, 60 years, well, since the 1930s, almost 90 years, the progressives have changed our history books, and they've been tearing down this country, and... We've got a president 90 years later that says, you know what, it's time we get the patriotic old history back into the schools. Verse 4, a season to weep. <clears throat> loss of a loved one. Uh, loss of a job. There are seasons of weeping. And a time to laugh. I like what, um, I like what the scripture says about um, Psalms 30 verse 5 for his anger endureth but a moment in his favor is life weeping may endure for a night but joy cometh in the morning 
That's a promise from God. The weeping seasons and the night seasons will not last forever. There's joy. Morning is coming. The morning of the rapture, so to speak, is coming. I'm not saying it's going to happen in the morning, but that's, the t that's just a typology. A time to weep and a time to laugh. Now, one thing that the Bible's teaching us here is that we're not going to always have a laughing season here. And people get that mixed up with being saved. There's a lot of people, if you listen to these charlatans on television, you'd think that it's just nothing but just joy, 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 joy. No, uh, when Jesus was on the cross, um, it was a hard, that was a hard time for him. When the disciples were executed, that was, that was not a joyful time for them. And, um, and so life, being saved doesn't mean you're just going to be on the mountaintop all the time. But the good news is, is when the when night seasons come, we have hope that the morning is going to follow. The morning of the joy of our salvation is going to follow immediately. And God is so great that there's times of even rejoicing at the times of death. I've read different accounts where people were praising God that were being burnt at the stakes. Uh, Polycarp was rejoicing on his way to be fed, I think it was, to the lions. Um, it was either him or another saint that was rejoicing that the, his bones were going to be broken by the teeth of the lions. Man, let me tell you something. That's not normal. That's joy in the morning. That's God's grace upon a person. It says a time to mourn and a time to dance. Verse 5 says a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. You know, when old Joshua crossed the Red Sea, God said, you put 12 stones in, in, in the Jordan River. He said, you put 12 stones in the river, and you put 12 stones out there on the outside where I tell you. And so it'll be a testimony. And so there's a season of casting away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing. Sometimes when preachers run a wheel off, when they get off on doctrine, the church, the church they're a member of, can no longer embrace them what they've got to do is they've got to bring them back and question them and sit them down if they have to until they get straight with their doctrine when a member gets out of line when they bring jesus christ to open shame the church that they're a member of can no longer embrace them they've got to separate them from the body through discipline and so we can't always be embracing we want to always be able to embrace but life is not going to allow us to always embrace a time to get. Let me tell you something. Lazy people, the Bible speaks against laziness. Those who do not want to work. Your youth is your season to go to work and to get. Get what you need. Ted put his time in. He's got retirements. I'm working right now. Hopefully one day I'll get to retire. But there's some people don't want to work at all. And, and then they expect everybody to carry them when they have a need. No. Look. Now, full-time ministry, if the church you're a member of is able as a minister to support you, uh, then that's great. But Paul worked at nighttime so he could preach in the day. And he was a missionary. I think it would be great to be a full-time minister. But let me tell you something before, uh, let me tell the men that may listen to this that's 
either thinking about going into full-time ministry or might even think they're being called to preach. It might listen on sermon audio or later on at the radio station. Before you go full-time this day and time, you better understand something. A lot of people in the Lord's churches don't want to hear the truth. And you can be out the door just as quick as you came through the door. So especially if you've got a family, you need to really think about being a full-time preacher because I'm telling you, people's not going to put up with the truth. I've got a wife that I've got to take care of, and God, thankfully, has let me be at my place of employment now, going on 18 years. And I'm thankful for that. I'm going to work. I'm going to try to work, Lord willing, until I'm 65, 66 years old. Um, I like doing what I do, and I'm going to try to do it as long as I can. Um, there's a season to get. This is my season. I've been in this season since I was 16 years old. And there'll be a time come that my body just won't produce and my season of getting will be over. It says in a time to lose. Do you know that a lot of millionaires, I've listened to Rush Limbaugh and he's been broke three or four times. A lot of people that are wealthy have lost their wealth, have become broke many times. And so you can get and then you can lose it. And that ought to teach us that it's God who gave it to us and it's God who can take it from us. A time to get and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. You know, there's times that we, we're in the season and we need to keep God's word. And there's never a time where to cast away. You know what? There's some in the ministry that feels that it's time to cast away. The old King James Version Bible. Well, not with me. If, if when I'm buried, I hope they put a King James Bible under my hand. It's good. God saved me through the preaching of it. And it's good enough for me to live by it. It's good enough for me to die by it. It's good enough for me to be buried with. A time to rend, a season to rend, and a time to sow. You know, you read a lot of times in the Old, in the Old Testament, the old prophets would, people would rip their garments when they were um, in mourning and repentance. And a time to sow is when the season of the joy of God's salvation comes. Uh-oh, here we go. Well, I might have a problem here. A time to keep silent. It's, you know, we don't know. We, my papa, Ross, used to say something all the time. It was funny. He said, I'm broadcasting when I ought to be tuning in. And um, those of us that have a hard time refraining from talking, a lot of times we're broadcasting when we ought to be tuning in. Um, we need to keep silent, especially when the older ones are speaking. <coughs> And we don't need to be broadcasting when they say, well, there's, a pre, or there's a member up there at Livingstone, Brother Hollis, Blankenship. I tried to be like him, but I'm just, I just was not wired the way he was. The, he was being a member there. He, won the, he was the, one of the founding members of that church up there at Livingstone. He reminded me a lot of my father. And uh, when I would preach, he would sit there on that front pew, and he would sit there, and he would just... He wouldn't make no motions. He'd just sit there and look at you and listen. Never, I don't even hear him say amen. But he was listening to every word. 
And I tell you, his silence, his silence, but I knew that I had to preach to be on. I had to, I prayed for God to guide me because that man would pick up if I got off track. And so there's a time to be silent. And um, you know what? When uh, Sometimes when, a, say, like a couple loses a baby, you know, preachers want a lot of times go up and just start quoting verses. Maybe it's just a time to be silent. Maybe you just need to sit down beside that couple and let your presence be their comfort. You can talk to them later on, but there's a time to even speak the truth and a time not to speak the truth. The Lord tells us be careful about casting your pearls before swine. What he's saying there is don't speak my truth in front of these people. Time to keep silence and a time to speak. And then there's times to speak up. I believe the reason why our country's in the shape it's in is because God's people believe it's a season of silence and it's a season to speak up. It's time to speak up. A time to love and a time to hate. We're not supposed to hate people, but we can hate their ways. I'll be honest with you. I, don't, I do not hate any uh, Chinese people, even those in government. But I will tell you, I hate the ways of the leaders of the nation of China, and they need to be brought to justice. They have committed germ warfare on the world. And I believe they intended for it to come over here. I believe they were angry at our president for putting tariffs on them. And I believe they, because they shut off the rest of China from Wuhan, and they let nations come in there they knew that it wasn't going to go into the heart of china but it was going to go all over the world and so it's a season of hating their ways and they need to be brought to justice a time of war it's a, there's a season for war and a time of peace the let me tell you jesus believes this because his season of war is going to be over at armageddon and we're going to be there to watch that. We're going to watch him kill his... We're going to watch the blood fill that beautiful valley of Megiddo. It's a beautiful... You need to go on the internet and look at that. It's a beautiful valley. About 120 miles long. About 75 miles wide. And it's going to be six feet deep with the blood of people. When Jesus gets done with them. Read Revelation chapter 19. Start at verse 11. And a time of peace. Woo. Oh, there's peace coming after the Armageddon. The millennial reign. Lord willing, Brother Doc on the radio program is going to be asking me some questions today about after the rapture and the millennial reign. I hope that it, it, we're able to do that. I'm kind of prepared for that. But for 15 minutes before I preach today at 245... He's going to ask me questions about that. So I'm looking forward to that. God controls the seasons of the nations. In Genesis, uh, or in Daniel chapter 7, verse 1 through 8, you read of those four beasts. And in Daniel chapter 2, starting around verse 35, you read of that dream Nebuchadnezzar had. It might be around verse 33. About that, uh, it, that human form, that image it had, uh, of human form that was made up of the mantles of the world. Uh, those are those mantles of the world, that metallic image, represents the same thing as the animals do in Daniel chapter 7. The head of gold represents the lion. The chest of, um, of silver represents the, the bear. Uh, the 
abdomen of brass represents uh, the leopard, Alexander and the Grecians. The bear represents the Persian Medes, Darius and Cyrus. And the, the head of gold represents Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian Empire. And then from down where the leg, part of the abdomen down to the feet where the legs split represents that Roman Empire, the great and dreadful beast that Daniel couldn't describe. God's in the season of that because Babylon has come and gone, and guess what? I like what Brother Moody said about the seven crowns on the seven heads. Those seven nations, Babylon, and then you had uh, the Persian Medes, and then you had the Grecians, the Romans, and then it goes back to, um, uh, well, you had Assyria and then Babylon, the Persian Medes, the Grecians, the Romans, and then you got Babylon coming back again. And so Babylon is resurfacing itself in through and by the Roman Empire. I'm convinced that the Catholic Church is the spiritual embodiment of the system that was set up at the Tower of Babel in Genesis chapter 11. But all these nations had their seasons. Now if you look at Revelation 13, verse 1 and 2, John sees that beast come up out of the sea, and he couldn't. He he began to describe it. Daniel couldn't describe it. All he could say was that great and dreadful, terrible beast. He couldn't describe it. He was under the law. John is under grace in Revelation thirteen. He gives us the description of that fourth beast. And here's what was confounding Daniel, but John understood it. This this beast, this fourth beast, was made up of all the parts of the other three beasts. He describes those animals in Revelation 13. And so as horrible as and powerful as these nations are, they run their course. Nations come and go just like people do. And they're going to serve God's purpose. The fourth beast had to be there at the birth of Christ. The other three empires, represented by the other three animals, could not have been there. God had the seasons in the right order. He, in other words, he had the seasons of the nations in the right, same order, in the right order as he does the seasons of the weather. Jesus could not have been born during the time of the head of gold or the lion because they did not practice crucifixion. He could not have been born during the time of the silver chest in that metallic image which represents the bear standing up, the, the, the Persian Median Empire. They didn't practice crucifixion. He couldn't have been born during the abdomen, during that time represented by the abdomen of brass, which represented uh, by the leopard, Alexander and the Grecians, because the Grecians did not practice crucifixion. But that part that Nebuchadnezzar dreamed that was made of uh, iron and clay, that uh, the legs of iron and the toes of iron and clay, the feet mixed with iron and clay. That's the fourth beast that Daniel saw that he could not describe. That's the empire that had to be in existence when Christ was born because it was ordained that Jesus would die on the cross and the Romans were experts in crucifixion. You think about that. God has all these empires in the right order and he has the right one in existence at the time his son dies so that he could die 
they would put him to death the way the scripture says. Galatians chapter 3, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. And so God is in control of all that. Listen to what Daniel chapter 2 verse 20 through 23 says. Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. Verse 21. And he changeth the times and the seasons. He removeth kings and setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness, and the light dwelleth with him. Now this is why that every nation ought to have Jesus Christ as their God. Because the God of the Bible is the one that we are reading about that controls the seasons of the weather and the seasons of the affairs of man. Psalms 33 verse 12 says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. Night seasons comes into the lives of individuals. We've already covered this. Listen to what Psalm 16 verse 7 says. I will bless the Lord who hath given me counsel, my reins, or my inner being, also instruct me in the night season. It is our reins, or the depths of our inner being, where Jesus and the Holy Spirit dwells, in Romans 8 verse 9 through 11, that we, we receive our guidance during our night seasons. The only thing that's going to get you out of your night season is the promises that you read in the Word of God. And reading it with just the outer man will not do it. You've got to read it with your inner man. That's the only way you're going to come out of it. Many people believe that serving God doesn't mean suffering night seasons. I thought about that day, and the first thing that came to my mind was, tell that to Jesus and his disciples. I can promise you that the joy of the morning of God's salvation was not experienced on the cross. Now it says in Hebrews 2 that he for the joy uh, of the cross endureth the cross. And the reason why that's spoken there is because he saw the effects it was going to have. But in Matthew chapter 26, we find where the Lord's praying for that cup to pass over him. Because of the sufferings he was going to go through. Jesus had a season of rejection his whole life and misery. Listen to Isaiah 53 verse 2. For he, Jesus Christ, shall grow up before him, God the Father, as a tender plant and as a root out of the dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised his whole earthly life, and guess what? To this day he is still despised. Isaiah 53 verse 3, He is despised and rejected of men, and still is. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. The whole world abides in spiritual darkness today, and the whole world hates him just as much today as it did back then, if not more. For those who believe that serving God ought to mean that we should have a life of ease, they have forgotten we're under the Adamic curse and there is no joyful season all the time under a curse. You have to experience the curse. And where there's a curse, there's going to be night seasons. That's why we have night seasons down here of sorrow and weeping. Hebrews 9.27 says, as it is appoint, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment... Now listen to this. You might be in a night season. When we are in our night seasons, 
Jesus is our day season. He's the light that brings us out of our night seasons. 1 John 1 verse 5 says, there, it tells us there's no darkness in God. Listen to what it says. This then is the message which we have heard of Him and declaring to you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. He will allow the night season to come over you so that the glory of His joy, His light of the joy of His salvation will shine brighter. You know, the darker the room gets, the brighter the little bulb shines. I guarantee you, if we had this room dark, if we were in here at midnight and had the windows up and it'd be completely dark, these lights would be brighter. The darker the room, the brighter the light. Jesus is the light of the world in John 1, verse 4 through 5. In him, speaking of Christ, was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Your night seasons cannot comprehend the light of the gospel of Jesus that's in your soul. And when it's time for the day season to come, the night season will give away. It has to. Now in closing, we determine, as I stated at the earlier part of this message, we determine our months, days, weeks, months, and years, our time, based upon the moon. It says he, in Psalms 104, verse 19, he appointed the moon for seasons. Why don't it say the sun? Why doesn't it say the sun? Because the sun is the same every day. It doesn't go through any changes. It's the moon that goes through the phases that lets you know what time of month it is. He said he appointed the moon for seasons. The sun knoweth his going down. Israel's months are determined as well as ours, but theirs, their months are holy months to them. They've got feasts. Their whole feast calendar is based upon the phases of the moon. Israel's months are determined by the moon. Listen to this. In the Jewish calendar, each month begins when the moon is just a thin crescent. The full moon falls in the middle of each month. You know it was a full moon on the night they came and got Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Because the Passover, that was the time of the Passover. You see, you don't put these things together until you start studying these things. It was a full moon the night Judas and those men came out to get Jesus. So they had their lanterns and stuff, but it was still kind of light because that big old full moon was shining. It says... The full moon falls in the middle of each month, and the dark of the moon occurs near the end of the month. When the moon reappears in the sky as a crescent again, a new month begins. Israel's first month of the year starts right in the middle with the Passover, their holy year does. And it starts with a full moon. Now, Israel's feast calendar in Leviticus 23, Passover, full moon. Pentecost, I got on there and counted up 50 days from Pentecost. And it's a waning crescent. The Feast of Trumpets is a crescent moon. It's the first day of October. Each month starts out with a crescent moon. The Day of Atonement, which is known, this moon is known as a waxing gibbous. It's almost a full moon. Not quite. There's a little bit of it still dark. And the Feast of Tabernacles, guess what that one is? Full moon. Surprise, surprise. That's why all those blood moons 
I was telling Brent and I read and studied where it does not matter what phase the moon is in. If it's going to be a blood moon, it's going to be a full moon. Now, blood moons happen all the time. It's when the tetrods, the, two, the four consecutive blood moons following each year in two years. That's when things happen. Now, there's supposed to be a blood moon, I think, if my memory serves me right, on the 3rd of October. That's two days after the 1st of October. Man, wouldn't it be something if the rapture happened on the... Well, I was thinking about this on the way over. Wouldn't it be something if, if the rapture happened on the Feast of Trumpets and, and then um, three days later, God gives a blood moon to announce the beginning of the... 70th week of Daniel's prophecy and then midway through that seven year tribulation period it tells you in Matthew 24 there's going to be another blood moon to announce the great tribulation is about to begin which is God's wrath being poured upon the earth Revelation 6 through 18 that'd be something wouldn't it so it's not by mistake that the Passover and the, tap fe the Feast of Passover and the Feast of the Tabernacles are on full moons. That's when Israel, when she celebrated those Feast of Tabernacles, that pointed towards the millennial. Now, we have seasons of dispensations in closing. From Adam to the flood, the season was about 1,500 years. From the flood to the time Moses went to get the Ten Commandments was a season of about 1,500 years. From the time Moses got the Ten Commandments until the birth of Christ was about 1,500 years. From the time of birth of Christ to right now is about 2,000 years. Friends, this season has lasted about 500 years longer than the other seasons. We are in the very last of the last days of the season of the church age. The rapture is going to happen soon. And then a new season will start out, the 70th week of Daniel's prophecy, more familiarly, more known as, commonly known as, the seven-year tribulation period, and then the season of the Feast of the Tabernacles slash the millennial reign of Jesus Christ will begin. And that season will last 1,000 years. And then after the great white throne judgment, the season, this season will have no time limit on it. The season of eternity will begin. I hope this message has been a blessing to your hearts. It has been to mine. Everything's in a season. And it's just like Ecclesiastes says, to everything there is a time, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. I pray this message has been a blessing and will be a blessing to your heart. Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, in Jesus' name, we thank you and praise you for this day you've given us. We pray that you'll help us to honor and glorify you for the, our remaining days here upon the earth. And we, I truly believe we are in the days of the rapture. I believe, Lord, that you could have come at any moment from the time you told John till now, but you have given us signs that lets us know that the rapture is really about to take place. You are announcing the season of the rapture to us. Help us to be looking for our Savior's any moment return. And let us be faithful to thee and our blessed Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, Father. No matter how dark the world gets, let us remain, remain faithful. Even if we have to meet in secret, let us worship thee according to the word of God. 
In Jesus' name we pray, and amen.